Is episodes once a week not enough for you? Or are you looking for more technical information from the Mixing Music Podcast? Well, guess what? Now you can. You can subscribe to our exclusive content and triple the amount of episodes that you get access to. That's right. Instead of the free once a week episodes, you get three episodes a week for only $4 a month or $40 a year. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash exclusive to get access to those episodes now. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to the Mixing Music Podcast. I am your host, DK, and with me, as always, is my lovely co-host, La 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 Lu. I'll take it, only because it comes with along with that. La 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 La, la, la Lu. <laughs> Welcome back to um, the Mixing Music Podcast. We talk about audio all right, that's great. <laughs> oh, oh my God, I'm sold. Should, should we do some small talk, Lou? What What have you been up to recently? Um, honestly, the nerdiest things ever is always. Uh, you know, I've been streaming on whatnot, selling Pokemon cards. Uh, I came one percent below my most recent goal, which was my goal was to sell a thousand dollars worth of Pokemon cards in the course of a single stream, and in two hours, I did nine hundred and ninety three. I was seven dollars off. But I'm still proud of it. That means I can. I was literally less than a percent away. It doesn't mean I can't hit it again. That just means, like, bro, you you were right there. You were just seven dollars off. But in that process, um, I sold off my entire collection, knowing that I would use that money to buy the cards I wanted. And I'm not gonna lie. I'm now that I'm thinking about this out loud. This could be another name, uh, Lugia Lou. There you go. Yeah, only because I pulled the one rare card that I want from the modern sets. There's two main ones that I want. Uh, now that I have the third one, I don't have to go looking for the third one, the Gengar. But um, the se- yeah. a self-funding hobby, which a is great. Self-funding to have. hobby. We should yeah. do an episode about the importance of having hobbies outside of music. If you if you yeah. want to pursue music full time, yeah, 
Uh, because yeah, hitting deadlines and budgets and client expectations makes this creative field slightly less creative. And and if you are an extreme creative and you probably are, if you're pursuing this as a career, Mm -hmm. um, it's likely that you will like to have an external hobby for mental health purposes. Oh yeah. So, um, just something to exercise your complete creativity without the approval of anybody else. We'll, We'll talk about that on a different episode. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, and so I'm glad that you have a self-funding hobby, even a slightly profitable hobby, yeah. sounds like. I uh, mean, that's, extra that's money on the side is extra money on the side, and if you get something uh, nostalgic along with it, uh, you know, I don't see why not. There you go, there you go. All right, so today's episode is all about the Poltec EQ. The reason why we're doing this one is because um, we did an episode about the Fairchild, and that unexpectedly did really, really well. Um, I didn't realize how well it would do, so... um, Are we recording? Yes. So I didn't realize how well it would do, so because of that, uh, we're going to do another episode about the history of a vintage analog equipment that oftentimes many, many um, plugins are modeled after, and we just want to know how it works, give the history behind it, and today we're talking about the Poltec EQ, specifically... The flagship one, the EQP-1. Oh, yeah. The EQP-1, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, Most of the stuff that we're going to be talking about, the things that we're reading, come from the Abbey Road Institute blog called Demystifying the Magic of the Poltec EQ. Uh, We were reading through this one before we went live to see if this had the correct info or relevant info or even intriguing info that we all wanted to hear. And and I think this is the best. So if you want and more in-depth beyond what we're talking about, um, we're skipping over a lot of the paragraphs here in this in this blog, but we're going to base it off of this. So before we get started, Lou, uh, one mm-hmm. out of 10, 10 being the most ever, one being very little, how much do you love the Poltec EQ? Uh, for me, it's a seven. Really? Yes. Now, I'm. it's because there's other EQs that I utilize more, but because I'm very nitpicky with like certain little things like I don't like resonance and it's one of those kind of tools that unfortunately isn't the one that notches it's away not resonance. Para- it's yeah. not a parametric EQ. It's no. a very broad EQ, yeah. broad strokes. But with that said, it did inspire a lot of the EQs that I use and harmonic uh, tools that I use based off of its own curves. So because of that, think about it this way. Would you go with a copy or would you go with the actual professional original? You know, when it comes to plugins and all that stuff, like, sure, you would obviously, if you were trying to do the low end trick where you filter a little bit of the low end and boost a little bit of it, like the Poltec is where it started and where everybody still goes back to. If you were looking for a specific sound, why not go to the source of the original intent? You know, for instance, Voice of God is loosely based on the Poltec as well. And Voice of God is one of my favorite low end resonators. But the Poltec has this little special distortion that comes with it, and it's just, it's delicious. This, this is true. I think before we get into like the actual history and the details about this, um, if I, if first off, um, if I were to get more analog equipment, I'd definitely look for like saturation or compressor first. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> EQ is I'd rather stay, if I had to pick one or the other, one of them has to stay in the box forever. I'd probably pick EQ to stay yeah. in the box forever. But if, uh, if I were to, I don't use the Poltec all the time, mm-hmm. but if I had to only have one piece of analog gear, mm-hmm. vintage or modern, um, 
that was an EQ. I had to have an EQ. I definitely pick a Poltec without a shadow it's, of a doubt. It's coloration is something beyond coloration. I would definitely not get any sort of mastering grade, yeah. uh, like Maselec EQ or Amic EQ. I would get mm -hmm. a Poltec because it, it's super warm. It's got magic to it or, or the word around town is that, you know, it, it can really change just by running audio through it. The saturation is amazing through the tubes. So anyway, um, we're going to get into the details of this. Uh, we're going to start off with a little bit of history and talk about, even go into modern day use cases. But let's talk about this. And we're going to even talk about exactly what all the different parts of the compressor are, how they work and work with each other. Um, let's start off with a bit of history. You see, the first Paltec, or the EQP-1, was already introduced in 1951 by Pulse Techniques, a company formed by Ollie Summerland and Gene Shank in Teaneck, New Jersey. Summerland and Shank built, hand-built their first units, and through many iterations, the basic design remained through the late 70s and early 80s. The build quality and design of the Paltec products was unparalleled, and each and every Paltec was handmade to order. That's incredible. In the meantime, the Paltec EQP-1A was very well received, probably due to the fact that it was the first passive program, program equalizer on the market. They were in high demand by radio stations, where they were installed to add that final touch to the balance of good program material and to greatly improve the quality of program material previously recorded on equipment on inferior quality. Uh, so, actually, this is a great point. Um, mm -hmm. This is the reason why every single like car speaker headphone will boost bass and boost top end and like will scoop the mids is because humans will naturally instinctively, especially like consumers, will think that that just sounds like more pleasant. Yeah. Uh, we won't get into the science behind it, but uh, that that's a real thing. So like people on the radio would like dead set, like leave with the gain boosted on the low end and the top end just a touch to kind of give it that sparkle, that shine, you know? It's actually kind of the reason why sometimes I'll send out a master where I'm like, okay, boost the top, boost it a little lows. And then they come back to like, oh, it sounds too bright and bassy in my car. Then I leave it back to kind of the mid rangey mix that they had. And I'm like, cool. I mean, I mean, think about it. Like even in when you were cutting vinyl, yeah. Um, if you added too much bass in the mastering yep. phase or the during the mixing phase, the needle, yeah, the needle would cut out. It wouldn't be able to, yeah. the, the vinyl is, is a technically inferior technology and could not handle low end. Yeah. In fact, the monoing of the bass comes from the inferiority of, yep. of vinyl lathing. So I want to be clear. You should never mono your bass. That's, that's, that only existed. That culture only existed because of vinyl records and yep. them being technically inferior. There's now, no you, reason to mono your bass at all in real life. You should check in, in mono. You should definitely check in mono because when you go to clubs and everything, okay, bass phase, is in mono. Phase, phase, for yeah. phase reasons. But that being yeah. said, you don't have to. It's not like this thing that you have to do. But rarely ever is the bass actually out of phase due to the width of it. So, uh, Depending on the so, effects and stuff. Yeah, depending. You know, but like, usually if it becomes overzealous, then, then it's a thing. But yeah. usually not a problem yeah usually not a problem but anyway um i i thought that was interesting that this blog actually said recorded on equipment so anyway so vinyl records didn't have that much bass to begin with there was a lot of mid-range mm -hmm. and top end and then on top of that back in the day like 70s or earlier or even in the, the 80s a lot of these like playback devices like ns10s <laughs> that yeah. were so popular um 
they didn't have that much low end to begin with. So it was like two phases of no low end. Yeah. It's just like the recording process had no low end. And then the playback systems typically had no low end. Unless you had a very high end playback system, which most people did not have. Um, so that's why, you know, like boosting the low end or the top end just a little bit will make it sound smoother. Balance it out. Anyway, interesting. is mostly used for radio. Um, but what exactly does this Poltec equalizer do that makes it so special? We can hear it asking. Let's dive into that. Um, and the, the, just to be clear, the EQP1A can be heard on literally thousands of recordings made over the past 60 years. Okay, this is a segment called the overall design. The Poltec EQP1 is a full passive 3U, meaning the size, it takes up mm. three rack units, 3U all, all valve or all tube equalizer, and therefore needs an additional amplifier circuit. This is needed to restore the signal level that is reduced when an audio signal is fed into the unit, making the EQP1A a no-loss passive equalizer. Yep. This means that the signal level remains the same regardless of whether EQ is switched in or out, which is very useful when comparing a flat signal to an equalized one. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's what that means. I didn't really understand what passive yep. meant. But more than that, it means the first the unit first drops the level and then boosts it again by using a valve design, which ultimately adds harmonic distortion that in most case cases adds depth to the sound. That's interesting. So going through the tubes and using the EQ through the tubes is is literally lowering the volume. So and that's why it's got saturation to it because it's actually amplifying it with another set of tubes. I did not know that. And I yeah. did not know what passive equalizer technically meant. I think I had an idea, but this is um it being explained like this is even um really insightful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, the the low frequency section of the EQP1A is a shelving EQ, mm-hmm. uh, providing four selectable frequency bands at 20, 30, 60, and hundreds. Now, like Warm Audio and other clones and various other companies have added additional frequencies, but we're talking about the traditional, the original Poltec one, um, pulse frequency, whatever it is, pulse, whatever. Uh, the low frequency, okay, so one more time, the low frequency is a shelf, uh, 20, 30, 60, and 100. These frequencies can be boosted to a maximum of 13.5 dBs and attenuated or cut by 17.5 dBs. I did not know those exact numbers. Yeah. The Paltec high frequency section features a boost peaking EQ and offers seven center frequencies at 3K, 4K, 5K, 8K, 10K, 12K, and 16K. Again, you can just look up a picture of a Paltec EQP1A and then look at that, but there's notches of which frequencies you select, which can be boosted up to 18 dBs while a bandwidth controls alters the Q of the... Uh, equalization curve from sharp to broad. The frequencies can also be cut at 5, 10, and 20 kilohertz. This is a shelf cut with up to 16 dBs of of attenuation. So the top end cut is a shelf, but the top end boost is a a variable Q bell. Yeah. So that's that's important. So I've heard of many people that will boost whatever frequency and then cut that frequency to kind of like boost that top end without getting that air, like cutting that yeah. air or that sibilance or whatever. I've heard people doing that. Um, that's great. So you can actually do it. Um, magic while no EQ. As we said before, many engineers have found that audio can be enhanced simply by passing the signal through the Poltec with the EQ switched out. I did not realize that um, if it was out, it would still get that harmonic, yep. harmonic saturation. I thought it had to be in, but everything zeroed out. Uh, I didn't realize that it could be the you can get that saturation by just leaving it switched out. I didn't realize that. In order to make up for the lost gain, the Poltec uses a simple dual 
dual valve, valve or tube amplifier stage that is usually fully balanced throughout and operates in a classic push-pull arrangement. Both valves are dual triodes, and the two halves of each being used in a push-pull mode to handle... Uh, hold on, hold on. And the two halves each being used in a push-pull mode to handle each half of the balanced audio through each gain stage. The input section is built around an ECC83 or 12AX7, while the output transformer is driven by a 12AU7. Negative feedback is derived from an extra secondary winding of the output transformer, so the transformer distortion and other and some output loading effects are automatically compensated. Okay, so uh, that was really, really complicated at the end, but basically uses the the very similar tubes to most, like, guitar cabs. Because 12AU7, is that used in, like, guitar amps? Uh, I know the 12AX7 is used a lot. They are and they aren't, but you see 12AU7s a lot in microphones. Oh, okay, okay, that's where I've heard that. Yeah, 12AX7s are commonly shared between the two, but 12AU7s are more commonly in the mic, while... 12AX7s are more commonly in guitar amps because 12AX7s actually distort a little more than AUs. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this is about boosting and cutting simultaneously. In the documentation supplied with the hardware version of the EQP1A, it is recommended that both boost and attenuation not be applied simultaneously to the low frequencies because, in theory, they would cancel each other out. In actual use, however, the boost control has a slightly higher gain than the attenuation has cut, and the frequencies they affect are slightly different. The EQ curve that results when boost and attenuation are simultaneously applied to the low shelf is difficult to describe, but very cool. In fact, Lou and I can exactly describe what it sounds like and what it's actually doing. Perhaps the sonic equivalent of a subtle low mid-range scoop, which can add clarity, a great trick for kick, drums, bass instruments. So, um... This is true. So when you're boosting, it's a very broad shelf. So even if you're boosting, um, let's say, 60 hertz of the low end, that boost is starting from like 200 hertz, maybe Mm. even higher up, like 500 hertz maybe. I need to look at the exact, but it's a very broad slope uh, shelf. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's actually starting much higher, and then the cut is actually slightly, is centered slightly above um, the cut frequency. So if it's at 60 hertz, it's probably cutting closer to like 100 to 200. Mm-hmm. So if you do both at the same time, it'll boost anything under 100 hertz and then cut around that like 100 hertz area. So it'll be like this scoop in the low mids and into this boost into the low end, which will actually like really greatly add this like nice clean, because usually the low mids get muddy. So you get yeah. this like fat tubbiness from the lo- the lows and the sub while getting that cleaned up, slightly uh, attenuated low mids. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Lou, I mean, you master all the time. You probably, have you used it for that? I have anytime I'm getting a mix that's like a little bit too thick, but like I still need to retain that low end. So instead of just cutting off the low end, shelving it is actually really nice. Um, but like I mentioned earlier, like the voice of God actually has a very, very similar effect to it. For instance, um, the voice of God does a little bit of, uh, instead of shelving, it does filtering. So it does a roll off with the boost, but the pull tech does a shelf with the boost. But if you actually use the voice of God, it's kind of like variable frequency where you can just kind of dial in. It just doesn't tell you what frequency it is. While the Poltec was designed with certain frequencies in mind that everybody was looking for at the time, the most pleasant ones, right? Mm-hmm. So the Poltec actually lends itself more musically to like an actual master bus than the voice of God does. So a lot of times I'll do that same trick that I'll do for vocals or bass instruments. 
but on the master bus with the pull tech, I'll just boost a little bit. So I get that little push of where I want it, but shelving down a little bit of what's just a little too much, something that's actually hitting the limiter too hard. So the only difference is that the Poltec, unlike the Voice of God, the Poltec does not have a high-pass filter built in, where, yeah. where um, the Voice of God is significantly based off of the high-pass filter section. Yep. So um, that's the only difference. But uh, otherwise, yeah. So I do think like Poltec for mix bus or master bus mm-hmm. is is amazing. Even without that attenuation or that cutting, Yeah. Uh, the, the bell as well as the low shelf boost... Um, the high bell boost and the low shelf boost both are very smooth and very musical. Um, and I love them both. They're, they sound very, very cool. And yes, this is like the classic YouTube catchy thumbnail clickbaity thing. The secret that engineers won't tell you about is is attenuating and cutting at the same or attenuating, cutting and boosting at the same time. At the the low magical end. trick. Yeah, for both the low end yeah. as well as the high end. It's the magic trick. Um, and there's so many videos about it and that can give you exact numbers. But that's how that works. Sound engineers long ago discovered that interesting and useful EQ curves can be achieved by simultaneously boosting and cutting at the same time as the boost and cut frequencies overlap. This trick has become known as the, quote, low-end trick. On bass drum, for example, if 30 hertz is simultaneously boosted and cut, the curve creates a boost at 80 hertz with a dip around 200 hertz, a very pleasing curve on some bass drum. This This sound can be sweetened further using high frequency controls. Interesting. So that one gave so, a specific example. Yeah. That's that's great. So next time when you're using an EQ or an EQ emulation, boost and cut at the same time around uh, 30 hertz for kick drum. Try that out. Uh, the Pultec nowadays. The original Pultecs are now highly sought after with mint examples changing bands hands for around 5,000 euros or whatever dollars. Fortunately for those without that kind of cash at their disposal, the design has been recreated by a number of manufacturers over the years, and now EQP1A clones are available from companies such as CarTech, TubeTech, and Manly, even Warm Audio, Clark Technic, uh, and many, many, many others, and not even like digital as well. Obviously, the EQP1A was embraced by many of the top recording studios, especially in the U.S., and it can be heard on literally thousands of recordings made over the past 60 years. Tamla Motown... Uh, Tomlin Bonetown owned several units and used them for everything from tracking individual instruments and voices to equalizing the final mix at the master stage. Motown engineers often employed the low-end trick on backing tracks, carving out some mid-range frequencies and creating space for the lead vocals to sit in nicely to the mix. Uh, great. There's no... That's it. That's the end of that, basically. Um, quoting Vintage King, it's crazy to think that a piece of equipment with such simple controls could change the face of the recording industry. 60 years on, and the Poltec design gear is still being used by many of the today's top recording and mixing engineers. Whether it be original reproduction of, of a plug-in variety, we wholeheartedly agree on that, and therefore cherish our two original Poltec EQs in Studio One over here in Amsterdam. Feel free to drop by one day. Okay, so you're talking about... Okay, that is amazing. Again, if I had to have an analog EQ, I'd definitely get a Poltec first yeah. before I get some sort of like parametric EQ or something that is technically more expensive or better or whatever. I, I'd start off with a Poltec. It's just like, like a natural, beautiful, saturating EQ. If there is an EQ I would want in the analog domain, you know, putting quotes up on that, um, outside of the Poltec, it might be like the Weiss EQ. Uh, which is supposed to be like the most linear and clean EQ in the analog world. Yeah, I'd still get a Poltec before that. No, exactly, because you're going to spend the same amount of money, and it's like, well, if I wanted a clean EQ, um, I'm just saying, like, there's a lot of mastering engineers and mixing engineers that went completely in the box because they're looking to uh, stay clean. So 
what makes this one digitally controlled analog clean one any better than a really, really nice high-end digital one? You know, yeah. you know, um, they've made emulations of it where mastering engineers are like, oh, yeah, as soon as I heard the difference, I sold my actual unit. <laughs> it's there you like- go. So uh, Paul Tech also uh, has like the MEQ5, which is um, the mid-range band mid-range. Like there's also like Paul Tech now has like mastering versions with so like the boost and attenuation are stepped. Yep. So you can have recall and can count exactly how many dBs was boosted or cut. Um and there's various versions, like there's even solid state versions as well, which is interesting. So they're slightly cleaner. Um, there's even the 500 series, which is solid yeah. state. Uh, very many variations on the Poltec, all of which are loved and used significantly. Great reviews all the time. Um, something about Poltecs are just so beautiful. Uh, that that didn't talk about cutting and boosting the same time with the the top end as well. So on the top end, there's like, it's not as a famous, it's not as famous. It's not as famous. Yeah. Like for instance, I learned about the, the cut and boost through Terrace Martin, um, who I've always been a huge fan of his low end, but apparently that's like his favorite thing for the longest. Um, I was mixing an album he was involved with and he would give like mixed reviews to the artists of the album. And, you know, he brought up trying out the the Poltec trick, and that's when I first started really using it and seeing the magic behind it. And it got to a point where, like, the artist who I was mixing for ended up buying two Poltecs. Nice. You know, and uh, he's like, should we rerun the Masters through it? I'm like, dude, they're already released. Just leave it alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it was, it was like the Poltec low-end trick is probably the most famous one and the one that gets brought up the most. Now, the top-end trick is for, like, the whole sibilance thing and everything. Like, a lot of people do like it. Um, I'll be honest. I don't think I've done the top end trick in a couple of years. Yeah, it's it's yeah, not as famous. It's not, it's as, not famous, as but yeah. it's definitely there. Yeah. Um, especially in modern records where the airband is just so utilized. Yeah. It's so often utilized. Like, um, we just want that more sparkly top end, so people don't want to attenuate it as much. But it's definitely something that you can use. Yeah. Um, a frequency that I specifically like on the Poltec, especially like in in mix bus work mm-hmm. or top down mixing, is uh is five K. Putting yeah. that on a mix bus and boosting a touch of 5K on a Poltec with a broad band, broad mm-hmm. cue, um, will bring out the vocals in the mix a little bit, slightly. Mm-hmm. It'll it'll kind of boost a frequency. I feel like people forget about 5K, 5, 6K a little bit. It gets dipped a lot because uh, on a lot of cheaper mics, that's where a lot of sibilance exists. Yeah, so it's like yeah. I tend to... Um, and there's a couple YouTube videos out there where they're like, I just leave the Poltec on, boost it a little, one or two dBs at 5K, and like I just don't even touch it. Like That's how I leave it. Um, yeah. Honestly, that is a magic frequency for me in the mastering stage. Um, but, for me, it's don't touch anything, just leave it on. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And the 12, obviously, but the 12 and 16K sounds great for errors stuff as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it can, yeah, anyway, so I love the Poltec. We really love the Poltec, and we know that you probably have used a Poltec or a Poltec clone, both probably definitely digitally um, through some sort of plugin or emulation, uh, maybe even uh, through with analog, and you, you know the magic and the secret of the Poltec. So yeah. hopefully you learned some things there. Thank you so much for listening. Before we end the episode, we want to talk about our sponsors. Today, we're sponsored by the Mixing Music Podcast. If you want three times the amount of episodes, go to mixingmusicpodcast.com forward slash exclusive, where every Wednesday and Thursday, we release an exclusive episode of the Mixing Music Podcast for only $4 a month or $40 a year for, for the price of coffee. One cup of coffee a month, you get two more episodes every single week. It's absolutely phenomenal. Phenomenal 
Braden does an amazing job. What we do again, if you haven't heard, is that we basically comment, we curate and comment um, other interviews or lectures from high-level uh, engineers or influencers within the production, mixing, mastering world, and we comment on that and and take away, give tips that you can take away, start using for your everyday mixing, producing, mastering, songwriting um, tool belt. So go ahead and check that out. Once again, that's mixingmusicpodcast.com forward slash exclusive. Thank you so much for everybody that's already uh, subscribed. And on that note, happy mixing, my friends, and stay saucy. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.